0: Good morning, good morning. Good to have you all here on this beautiful Sunday morning the Lord has given to us. A little bit cooler than it has been this week. Not immensely cooler, but a little bit cooler. And we're just glad we have air conditioning. That's always a blessing. Let's see what we have in the way of announcements. Of course, if you're visiting, we want to welcome you officially. Stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you, and we're so glad to have you if you're visiting online. spdnd.org slash contact. Let us know you're out there. It always is an encouragement for us. Ice Cream Social is next Sunday. Let me talk to you a little bit about the Ice Cream Social, all right? So you're going to get here Sunday morning, it's just normal services like like we would have. Then you can go home, eat your lunch, do whatever. Uh, come back here anytime between the 2.30, 3 o'clock. Uh, we start playing games and stuff like that. You need to come to the Ice Cream Social, dress casual, be outside, hopefully it will be a nice sunny day like today and you can sweat and all that kind of stuff out there. Then There will be a food truck here for the evening meal if you want to. That's something you have to purchase. But the ice cream is what people make at home, homemade. They make it at home, not homemade brand ice cream, you understand. I can go buy homemade brand anytime, right? This is a special event. So we have homemade ice cream. We'll usually have about 20 or 25 gallons of different flavors of ice cream for you to try. It's delicious. Uh, I prefer vanilla. You know, like if you've got something that's perfect, you don't need to do anything else to it. But uh, if you want to ruin, I mean, if you want to do something different with your ice cream, that's up to you. Uh, feel free. I actually make flavors of ice cream. I'll make about 10 gallons of the 25 gallons that are here. I'll make about 10 of them myself. But uh, so I, I, I've been challenged this year to bring Elvis back. So we'll have a peanut butter banana ice cream, uh, perhaps something like that some kind of coffee, ice cream, because I like coffee anyway, but uh, you know, we'll have those kinds of things for you, and you can do whatever else that you want to give a try. That's next week, uh, so it's a joy. We have the service outside. It's really just a praise and, and, a, and uh, Thanksgiving service, so if you want to uh, participate in the service by doing some sort of special music, uh, you say, I don't really do special music, Pastor, uh, like in the church, but you know, you want to... Just bring something. We've had anything from the canjo to uh, to ukuleles to, you know, I don't think anybody brought a harmonica yet, but whatever, you know, it's just, we just have a great time with the ice cream social. A lot of fun. So that's next Sunday. Uh, Missionaries of the week are the Pascals. They are, uh, the Pascals, the Granadas, I'm sorry. Uh, They are in Mauritius, and it says today, this is, uh, they wrote this on July the 15th, Today was our last WOW, Win Our World Club for this semester. It's a very special day because they awarded all the children who had perfect attendance and learned all of their verses, and uh, they were excited to be able to do that. Also wanted to let you know that Becky, Miss Becky, uh, will be in the United States for a few weeks during July and August as Becky's sister and family who live in, Ch- uh, live in China, they will all be visiting the U.S. this summer And so uh, Becky's sister is a missionary in China, so Becky's mom and dad will also be going to the U.S. from France. So they're from all over the place. You get the idea, and they thought it would be a blessing for Becky to be there with her family. So that's coming up, or that's happening even now as we speak. There will be a very quick, and that is in all capital letters, a very quick meeting for those who would like to work in Awana this year following this service right over there uh, so that uh, you can just... Get some things down. A very quick meeting right after this service. So if you're interested, please uh, make sure that you attend that meeting. Let's have the men come. We're going to start the morning by taking up the offering, and we'll also ask the Lord's blessing upon the ganadas. Brother Dan, if you can remember to pray for the ganadas and ask the Lord's blessing on our service and the offering, we'd appreciate it. Let's have a word of prayer.
1: Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us to come to church. We just pray that you will be. Continue to be with
2: each one of us and lead us. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given. I pray you'll accept these offerings and use them for your good works. In Christ's name, amen.
3: And Thank you, DeAndre. No need to fear when Jesus is near, right? And thankful for that. We're so glad you're here this morning. And if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We're going to be singing uh, kind of just a variety of things this morning. Love this uh, song. We sang this as a hymn of the month a few years ago. And it talks about going, loving, rescuing, looking for the sake of Jesus' name. And that's what he's here to do is to help. And we can share that message. So if you're able and willing, please stand. And we'll sing all four verses of For the Sake of His Name. Go to the
1: world for the sake of His name. To every nation His glory proclaim. Pray that the Spirit wise will open heart and granting new life to display Jesus name. Thank you.
3: laugh
2: Little heavy traffic area there. Please stand with me if you're able as we continue in James chapter 4, verses 11 through 17 this morning. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, And continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, And then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or do that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word this morning. You may be seated.
3: Thank you, John. Great passage here. What is your life? And to know to do good, we want to do that. We're going to sing Just As I Am. This is the song with that added chorus. Aren't you thankful that... When we come to God, we don't have to try to earn something or clean ourselves up to, get, up to get to Him. We come as we are, and He does the work in our hearts. And so we'll sing the first verse, and the second, and the chorus, then the third verse, and the chorus, and finish it a cappella. Just as I am. Thankful God receives us as we are. And then when He does a work in our hearts, we want Him to be our vision. Let's sing all four verses of Be Thou My Vision. Be Thou
1: My Vision
3: go ahead and stand. We'll sing one more song this morning. This is the chorus of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and then they added a chorus to it. So we'll sing a couple verses, sing the chorus, and then we'll add them, all four verses of Turn Your Eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus,
1: i no.
0: 119, the 119th psalm. and while you're turning there, I've got a lot of things to share with you, all right? So uh, yeah, there's a box out there for school supplies for the nursing home uh, workers, so if you can help out with that, uh, see Brother Chuck, or you can just drop them in that box. Um, so yesterday, we moved uh, Devon and Jenny Foster from one home to another. So those of you who showed up, thank you. Uh, anybody soreness today back there? Anybody sore? Uh, yeah, all right. We survived. These uh, these interns, they had a tough time. They stayed up until two o'clock in the morning playing video games with my son and a few other people on Saturday or Friday night, and then had to get up and help us move. So they were like, Ugh! but they survived. Uh, they'll they'll make it. Uh, let's see next. Uh, there's a deacon's meeting tonight at five fifteen. With that in mind, next Sunday is Pastor and Miss Pastor Andrew and Miss Jessica's last Sunday with us officially. So uh make sure you're here not only is it the ice cream social, but all of those things are going on as well. And uh let's see, tonight after the evening service is uh teens fifth Sunday snacks. We're we're hosting it here, Lord willing you're gonna have some of my some of my um uh, Philly Steak Sandwiches, Pastor John's famous Philly Steaks, Sandwiches. They are really good, I have to say. Now, here's how good they are. We had a guy that owned a restaurant, and he actually said, Can I serve a Pastor Ray san- sandwich special in my restaurant? Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's not that hard, right? Uh, so he did that for a while, so that was kind of fun. But anyway, we're going to serve that tonight to the teenagers, Lord willing. And uh, then on Sunday, August the 27th, in the afternoon, if you are in my Sunday school class, that is the, uh, the uh, young married with kids uh, in, uh, not in school or whatever, or maybe you're just engaged, those kinds of people. We have a couple of engaged couples, but they're getting married, so that keeps dropping off. But anyway, uh, we are going to do a chopped activity on that Sunday afternoon. All of you are invited to participate uh, that are in that class, so make sure that you mark those things as well. We're going to be in Psalm 119 uh, for today, for the most part, is where we're going to, well not for the most part, I think everything we're going to get from that, uh, Psalm 119, but we're going to be all over the place in Psalm 119, so I can't use, i got to stay here. Oh. Alright, I'll stay here, maybe, we'll see. Um, So if you can follow me along, follow along with me on this, Psalm 119, verse 97 says this, Oh, how I love thy law. Now in Psalm 119, it's a unique chapter of the Bible because every verse but two, and it's like what, 172 verses, 176, what is it? Am I not? 176 verses. And every verse but two contains some reference to the word of God. Uh, It's a very unique uh, passage of scripture. But here's what it says. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. I wonder, could any of us say that? Wow, it is my meditation all the day long. I love God's word. Do you love the book? Uh, Verse 113 says this. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. I love it. In verse 163, it says... I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. In verse 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'm going to just insert, this is not the message, just a little insert right here, right? So if you find yourself to be easily offended, what is also true about you? You don't love the law. You don't love the book, because great peace have they which love thy law. I'm not trying to uh, be—I'm not trying to be mean to you, and I'm just trying to point out when we love the law, when we love this book, this book means something. And uh, I want to talk to us about developing a relationship to the Word of God. Jay Vernon McGee said a couple things. I'll share with you real quick. You can believe a, a whole lot of foolish things. But God doesn't want you to do that. He wants your faith to rest upon the word of God. He also says God wants everyone to understand his word fully and that it will take a lifetime to pursue that understanding. That's where we're coming from, right? Do I want to know what God has to say? Do I want to trust God's word? Do I have a love for it, a desire for it, a passion for it? Uh, We need to figure these things out. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, we'll pray, and then we'll jump into the message. Has the Word of God become a chore? I forgot, I haven't had my devotions yet. Has the Word of God become a chore? Like, okay, I I have to versus I want to, right? We all understand this in marriage. When marriage becomes a chore, it's a problem. Would you agree? If I have to spend time with my wife, there's a problem. I mean, we ought to say, I want to spend time with my wife. It's a desire. I, I long for it. Uh, you, know, you, you know, it's, it's something we ought, to, we ought to be saying, man, I can't wait for that opportunity. Uh, she's just waiting for you guys to ask her out. Remember when you used to do that? <laughs> uh, she's just waiting for you to ask her out. Uh, that's, that's the desire that she has. It, has it become a chore? Has it become cold and anesthetic? In other words, I, I, I read it, but I'm getting nothing from it. I, I read it because I, I have to. I read it because I feel obligated to. I read it because my accountability partner is going to ask me if I've read it. Or And, and because of that, it's just become, you know, it, it's doing nothing really for me other than putting me to sleep, right? It, it's just, has it become that way for us? What, what's our relationship to this book? Do we lack the motivation to pick it up, to read it, and to be drawn to it? That's the question of the day. And we want to ask ourselves why it's so important and why we ought to consider our relationship to this book. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us today to love you first and foremost, and through loving you, to love your word, to love this book. God, cause it to be something that our soul longs after, that our heart thirsts after, that we desire, God, help it to become a central part of our Christian walk, of our marriages, of our families, a central part of our work relationships. And God, we will thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I tell you this uh, quote, you're going to be shocked uh, when you find out who it was, perhaps. Because I am not putting this person up on a pedestal as this great Christian. But this part he had down. Um, America is on the verge of a great war. And I'll tell you the war in a moment. Because if I tell you the war, then I'll tell you the person. And this person says this. There are a good many problems before the American people today and before me. But I expect to find the solution for those problems just in the proportion that I am faithful in the study of the Word of God. I ask every man and woman that from this day on they will realize that part of the destiny of America lies in their daily perusal of this great book. And America was on the verge of entering World War I as Woodrow Wilson, not this great bastion of Christianity, but he understood something that America needed that the answer to what America needed was to be found in this book. Do we believe those kinds of things today? Is that where we are as a church, that we would say, this book is the answer to the social ills that are out there, that this book is the answer to the problems my kids are having in school, this book is the answer to the marriage issues that we're struggling through, that this book becomes what we put forth as our foundation. When's the last time? that we read this book in awe and just were, were amazed how the, the truths of God were jumping off. Have you ever had that experience where just exactly what you needed was exactly what the Word of God led you to? Have you ever had that experience? Where it's like, God, I need the an answer, and you actually find out. By the way, I'm not, I'm not proposing that we search the Bible that way, right? God, I need an answer. Not a good way to find God's answer. So there's an old joke. You've heard heard this before, I know, if you've been around here for very long, because I've told this joke to you before. But the joke is like this. The lady does this, and she looks down and says, Judas went out and hanged himself. Well, okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. Let's say, God, give me an answer, give me an answer. Go and do that likewise. (laughs) Not a good way to find the answers from the book, right? You get the idea. But the book, this book has the answers we need. And that's what I want to talk to you about is what it is that this book's all about, how we can find those answers, and why this book ought to become preeminent in our lives and our families. We, we want to come to the place where we say, I can't start my day until I've found something in God's Word. That's where we ought to want to come to. There's a, an old preacher. Sorry, I've got to keep myself. There's an old preacher you know, he was talking to a young preacher, and the young preacher said, you know, I, I find it hard to find the time to pray. I just, I don't think I have enough time to pray. And the old preacher said, I have so much to do, I can't find time not to pray. It needs to become that, that this book is just something, we can't get through the day without something from this book. So we're going to ask two questions and try to give an answer. Why was this book given? Why, was, why did God give us this book? And the first answer is pretty obvious. God wants us to know about him, right? It's a book about him. Uh, the, uh, The word history is his story, literally. God just, he wants us to know about him. And he spent a lot of time in this book revealing himself to us. His desire is that we know him. You know, we don't have this God whose desire is not for us to know him. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is him that stands at the door and knocks. Do you understand? He's the one seeking us out. And that's the God who's given us this book and wants to reveal himself to us. So let's learn some things about this God of ours. First of all, if you don't know this already, this is, this is the great love letter from God. Remember when you used to write love letters? Then you got married. <laughs> You used to write love letters. Remember that? You used to write love letters. Uh, so, uh, you know, when, when we got married, Melody gave me a a uh, book or a whatever, scrapbook, I'm trying to say, scrapbook. It's about this thick of every note and card and letter I had ever written out to her over the year plus that we were dating before we got married. On our honeymoon, that was her gift to me, and we spent time just perusing through that, and it was wonderful, and I'm not sure she could fill a scrapbook like that again in the last 35 years of our marriage. Think about that. But this book is God's love letter. God again and again and again is trying to say to the people of the world, I love you so much that I gave my only begotten son. And he says that again and again in the word of God. It's a love letter from God. It's truly his story. It tells us of his righteousness and his... Holiness. and we're going to read that a little bit in turn of 137. We're still in Psalm 119, verse 137. Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words, but thy word is very pure, therefore the servant loveth it. I am small and despised, yet do I not forget. Do not, I forget, thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. When we get hold of the righteousness and the holiness of God, the rest of this stuff makes sense. you know why it's difficult for us sometimes to recognize how hard it is to live in this world. is because we don't understand the holiness and the righteousness of God and what sin does to us. And and so God's written us this book to, to declare again and again and again his love for us. I have loved thee with an everlasting love, the Bible says. We love him, by the way, because he first loved us. And so we see that. And then God is doing all of this in, in His righteousness, in His holiness. And God's desire is that we get a picture, a slight picture from what our little finite brain, peanut brain, can recognize and understand of this infinite, holy, righteous God of ours. He also wants us to understand His grace and compassion. In verse 64, it says this, The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy... And stop and think about that for a moment. The earth is full of God's mercy. Now, sometimes we get this, you know, we get this skewed picture of what it's really like because we get everything we know about this world, if we're not careful, from talk radio and from the news. And that's just like bad, 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 right? But the Bible says that the earth is full of the mercy of God. The Bible declares things like this. His mercy is new every morning. And if we would look a little bit, we would see God's mercy there and God's mercy there and God's mercy there and God's mercy there. And mercy there. Sometimes we walk away from, from the radio or the television with this idea that the, the world is just totally falling apart and it is, sin is it's having its great impact, but God's mercy is still alive and well. And it is God's mercy that causes The Bible says something things like this. It says, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. This is what God wants to do. God is a God who hath not dealt with us according to our iniquities nor reward us according to our sins. His mercies are out there. We have a God who is willing to give us a fresh start every time we ask. Because if if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And every time we do that, he gives us a fresh start. Why? Because he's a God of great mercy, and he wants us to know that. He's faithful. Verse 90 says this, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, don't catch, don't miss the last line, and it abideth. He's, you know why the earth is still here? Because God is faithful. You know why the sun comes up? Because God is faithful. You know why there are stars and moon? Because God is faithful. You know why there's rain on dry land? Because God is faithful. I mean, God is faithful, and He wants us to know about His great faithfulness. I was reading this last week, and uh, I can't remember if it's in Exodus or Numbers. I've been reading through that through the Pentateuch, and but there's an amazing statement. Tell me something you know about the forty years that the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Say it again. Their clothes didn't wear out. So I, I, I know it sounds silly, but look what the Bible says. Their clothes and their shoes didn't wear out Forty years, for 40 years. Now listen, you know what we know about these people? Every other verse, it seems like, but at least every other chapter, they're whining, griping, and complaining, and spitting in the face of Almighty God. But there's a statement that I was amazed at. Their clothes didn't wear out, but here's what the Bible says. And the Bible literally lists it out. And for 40 years, and we're talking about the 40 years in the wilderness. And for for, for 40 years, these whiners, these complainers, these backbiters, these rebellious people, for 40 years, you know what they did? Ate manna for 40 years. God didn't stop being faithful even when they were spitting in his face. That's the faithfulness of God. Wow, that's a God I want to get to know. I don't know about you, but I'm more like the children of Israel than I want to pretend I am. You understand? I mean, God is faithful. What a great God that we have. His love, he's written this, this book so we can see his love. And I didn't say this, I, and I would tell you who said it, but I don't know that anybody knows who said it first. But uh, there's an old saying among preachers, cut this book anywhere. I know the rest of it? And it bleeds. Because it's all about what God was willing to do for, for mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's all about the great sacrifice that God made. God wrote this book to reveal himself, to reveal his love, to reveal his holiness, to reveal his righteousness, to reveal uh, his faithfulness. To reveal his willingness to forgive mankind of their sin, that God wrote this book. We need to be reading this book. It tells about his greatness, about the fact that he cannot change and will not change. And that's important that we have a God that won't change. Because that God who won't change is the one that said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Wouldn't it be awful if God changed the rules all of a sudden? We have a God that doesn't change. This book tells me about that God. Why do I struggle? to find time for this book? Why do I struggle to fit it in when this book is so important to everything about my life? We need to be reading this book. second reason God gave us uh, this book, not only to reveal himself, but God gave us this book to provide for our needs. Now, this is not going to be from Psalm 119, uh, but I've been throwing some other verses out at you anyway. But over in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to, Paraphrase it because I can't remember it off the top of my head. It says something like this. That God, through this book, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything we need. Do we believe this? That everything we need is right here. To make your marriage work. To make your finances work. To make other relationships work. To be able to to get rid of bad habits and to be able to put on new habits. Everything we need is right here. God has given us everything we need in this book. All things that pertain to life and godliness are right here. And yet, we don't go to it. It's like this. Sin is a killer, right? It's killing us. It's a curse. And it's dragging our lives down. So it would be like this. The doctor says, you've got a horrible disease, but this medicine will fix it. And then we don't take the medicine. You understand? That's what this is likened to. God says, you've got a horrible disease. It's called sin. But this book will fix it, and we never get around to the book. What's the problem? We need to learn how to love this book. We need to learn how to love it. God has provided what we need. You know what we need? We need truth. Verse 142 says this, Thy righteousness is everlasting righteousness, and thy law is truth. Do you believe this book is truth? Jesus repeated that in the New Testament. He says, This book is truth, right? The Word of God, that is truth. 151 says this, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. And here's the truth. We don't like these truths, but they're truth. The truth is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That leaves no one out. When God says all, what does he mean? All, everyone, leaves no one out. All have sinned, and because all have sinned, all come short of the glory of God. In other words, we can't get to heaven on our own. The illustration, which I can't walk over to show you, uh, is like this, all right? So uh, I've given you this illustration for us, so we're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? And I'm going to jump across the Grand Canyon, which you know I could probably do. <clears throat> <laughs> and so I'm going to jump across the Grand Canyon, right? And so I get a running start, and I jump, and yee I come short, right? I come short. Well, you know, one of these teenagers over here, you know, Luke, he's uh, taller, better looking, got hair. I hate him. No, I don't hate you, Luke. I'm just kidding. Stronger than I am. He's going to do the same thing, right? So he takes off running, jumps, and he goes 15 feet further than I jump. But guess what? You can't hardly distinguish the splatters at the bottom. Because both of us come short. That's the idea. Whether we're really good or really, really good, the best we have to offer is short of what is necessary to get us to heaven. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's not a fun truth. It's not something that we want to hear, but it is something we need to hear. God has given us this book to provide our needs, and we need to hear the truth. The truth is all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The truth is that because we have sinned, we have sinned. the Bible says the wages of sin is... Separation from God for all eternity. God sends not a single soul to hell. The Bible says this. He that believeth not is condemned. You understand how this works? When we reject God's love, we keep ourselves under that condemnation. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not out there sending people. We don't have this God who's like sitting in heaven with great (laughs) glee. There's another one. And that's not it. We have a God who weeps, who stands at the door and knocks, whose heart is broken. Literally, I can prove this, right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft have I wept for you. I'm standing at the door. I want you to come. I'm inviting you. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. This is the God that we have. But the truth is that sin comes with a condemnation, and the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And the truth is all of us have sinned. The truth is also this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The truth is that this God of ours has made a provision through Jesus Christ so that our sin debt, so that the condemnation that we've earned can be taken off of us and placed on His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says He, the Father, made Him, the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And when we place our confidence, our faith, our trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, When we agree with God that what Jesus did is sufficient to pay for my sin debt, and I trust that, God has promised to give me eternal life, to forgive my sin debt, and to bring me into his family. That's a truth we don't want to overlook. We need guidance. Here's what the Bible says in verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. You ever wonder what you're supposed to do next? You ever wonder what direction you're supposed to go. And we, we try to find it in all kinds of places, right? I mean, some people go really to the wacko side of trying to find it, like, you know, let's read my horoscope and see what that one says. That wouldn't make sense to most rational people. But anyway, we try to find what we're supposed to do next. But here's what the Bible says. This book is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What the Bible says? That God has ordered the steps. Of the good man the man who loves this book they're ordered by the lord god will tell us the directions to go we need to trust this book how about this one ever need encouragement my soul fainteth verse 81 says my soul fainteth for thy salvation but i hope in thy word my eyes fail for thy word saying when wilt thou comfort me for i am become like a bottle in the smoke uh, the the, uh, the bottles of the old testament would have been would have been leather, and, and as they sit in the smoke, they they become useless, not useful, as they sit in the smoke, they dry out and it, and it begins to hurt them. and yet, I do not forget thy statutes. We, we, we lose all hope sometimes. You ever need comfort and encouragement? Hey, God's given us His word, this book. When you're discouraged, go to this book. Say, God, I need some encouragement. I need somebody to come alongside and lift me up. I need some help for the day. This book is where it's to be found. Ever need some strength? Wherewithal, the Bible says in verse 9, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments, Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Hey, listen, you you know what I know? I know that it's not as easy to live for Jesus today as it was when I got saved as a teenager. I know that. It's a harder world out there. Do you think our teenagers need some strength from time to time? You get frustrated when your teenagers don't have strength? I mean, I'm talking about spiritual strength. They just keep messing it up. You know, they keep losing their temper. They keep you know, flying off the handle. They keep being lazy and not getting their homework done. They keep you know, looking at pornography. keep filling in the blank. I don't know. You fill in the blank. How, and, and we get frustrated at them. And, and we, want to, we want to give them strength. And we think that somehow you know, our grounding them for the 17,000th time is going to be the strength that they need. But we're, we're failing to take them to this book. How is a young man going to cleanse his way? By taking heed to this book. Thy word of I hid in mine heart that I might not sin. By the way, Dad, it works for us too. Not just teenagers, right? Find yourself getting discouraged because it seems like you're the one that's constantly failing. You're the one that's constantly... I'm the one. So I'm not pointing my fingers at you, right? One finger at you, three fingers right back at me. This is us, right? But how do we find that victory? This book. This book. But praise be to God that giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ. Verse 114 says this, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. You ever just need a place to hide? God, I can't carry the weight anymore. I'm done. I'm spent. I'm tired. And we can run into the Lord. The Bible says the righteous The word of the Lord is the strong tower. The righteous run into it. What does it say? And are safe. And are safe. This book is important, Christian. It's no wonder churches are weak and anemic. It's no wonder churches are full of Christians who are struggling to find any kind of victory over things in their lives because this book has taken a back seat to so many other things. But this book is the power of God unto salvation. This book is you know, stronger than well, let's let that verse say. It's like a two-edged sword piercing even the dividing us under soul and spirit and joints and marrow. This book. Are you reading the book? Pa- Pastor... Years ago, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I have to be honest. I don't love the book, and I want to. How do I love the book? How do I learn how to love it? And I'm going to tell you this. You learn how to love it the same way you learn how to love everything else in your life. You didn't always love broccoli, but you started eating it, and you kept eating it, and eventually it became your favorite vegetable. Maybe that's because it's your only vegetable. I don't know, but you know, eventually it's like I love broccoli. Uh, it, it is weird how this works, but the more you know, sometimes we don't always like what we need. For instance, I have to be honest. I'm not a water drinker. I, I my my excuse is that coffee is 97 percent water, right? So <laughs> that's my excuse. But, but if somebody says, here, drink some water, I'll drink it, you know, but, I mean, it's not my go-to. So if we go out with these, I go, I go out with these young guys all the time, so Pastor Andrew, Pastor Brett, three interns, and here's what it usually looks like. I'll take the sweet tea, we go to a restaurant, I'll take sweet tea, and then five waters. And it's not because they're cheap, I'm buying. You understand? So it's not because they're cheap, because they don't, no, they're, just, they're choosing the healthier aspect. I struggle with that one. You know how you learn to love water? Drink it. The more you drink it, the more you start craving it. Before you know it, you want water over coffee. I know that sounds weird. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm telling you this like I'm sure that that's true. I don't experience it yet. I'm sure that it's true. I'm telling you, that's how we we develop a love for this book. Pastor, I, I read it yesterday and I got nothing out of it. Read it again. And read it again. And read it again. And one day, you're going to be shocked. Whoa. It was exactly what I needed to hear today. Not that what I needed to hear as a general statement. I mean, it was what I needed today. And it feeds your soul. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow. That was good. And you go back again. And you go back again. Do we love the book? God wants to show us himself, and God wants to provide our needs. Let me ask you a question, two questions. What do you know about God now from the reading of, your, of this book that you didn't know last week? How far do you have to go back in your Christian walk to find something new you learned about God? Do we think we already know everything? Is that what we think? I've been a Christian for 40 years, Pastor John. I already know everything there is to know about God. Really? God is infinite, we are finite. No, never. So we go back, and we, and we learn some more. What do we know about God that we didn't know last year, last decade? How far do we have to go back? Or how about this question? What do you need that you're trying to find someplace else? That God is literally saying, here's the medicine, and we're, we're walking away from the cure seeking our own way. Head bowed, eyes closed, please. Pastor John, I have to be honest, Pastor. I can't say I love the book. My life does not exemplify a life that loves the book. Pastor, I want to change my relationship to the Word of God. I want God to become a daily part of the things I need to consider. Pastor, that's where I'm at. I know I'm a Christian, that's not the question. I just can't say that I love the book. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands throughout, thank you. The answer to that, right, is get into the book. You'll learn to love it. And there's no question we need it. And there's no question we don't know everything there is to know about God. So get into the book. I say to these teenagers, and I'll say it to everybody here, I would rather you read three verses a day every day than to read three chapters tomorrow and then forget to pick up your Bible again for another three and a half weeks. Consistency is where it starts. Just pick up the book. Be consistent. Start reading it. Eventually, things will begin to connect. It happens. Maybe say, Pastor John... You're talking about Christians, reading the book and understanding things about God, but the reality is, Pastor, you touched on what I need, because I need Jesus to save my soul. The reality is, Pastor, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need to get this taken care of once and for all. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Anyone like that here this morning? Father, I thank you for the tender hearts. God, we thank you for the book. For the opportunity we have to go to it and trust you to use it to challenge us, to grow us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to comfort us, God, I pray that we would, afresh and anew, commit ourselves to finding time for your word. And Father, we will thank and praise you in all that you do in Jesus' name. Let's stand, we're going to sing together. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice? laid the altars open to you. You step out and let the Lord have his way, would you?
1: You have longed for sweet peace and for faith, faith
0: to increase
1: and have earnestly fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed, blessed until all Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control.
0: Thank you for your kind of attention. If you'd be seated for just a moment, we're going to have a baptism. Pastor Andrew's going to go get ready. So Pastor Brett's on vacation. I get to, uh, to lead the song. We're going to sing Trust and Obey. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, uh, Mr. Collin, all right? Don't put the words for verse 1 up there. Right? I'd, I'd like to do this for you. Now, you guys it, it used to, I would lead, do this on Wednesday nights because I would lead the singing every now and again. But you know these songs. You know them. So I'm going to challenge you with it, Right? So it starts out, when we walk with the Lord. You got that one? So let's do that together. When we walk
1: with the Lord, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.
0: Alright, now I'm going to put you to another test, right? Why do we sing trust and obey every time before we have a baptism? Okay, so we start out trusting, that's when we get saved. Baptism doesn't take us to heaven. It doesn't wipe, wash away our sins, right? It is a step of obedience. So we do that on purpose. We sing trust and obey because it kind of shows the progression of our Christian walk, all right? Second verse. Do you guys have one? I, I know all of the verses, but I couldn't tell you what order they're in always. So not a shadow can rise. Let's try that second verse. Not a shadow
1: can rise, not a... in the sky. but his smile he does wake
0: fail oh, that not a doubt nor a fear not a sign nor a tear
1: can abide while we trust and obey trust and obey for this other way to be happy in jesus
0: but to trust and obey. you're finding out why I don't leave the singing there and I'll stop. All
3: right, we have uh, Eddie Krynock here. Uh, we've been able to get to know each other the last few months. And uh, he uh, came to me a little while ago. We started talking about baptism and uh, nailing down salvation. So I like to share their testimony. Baptism is just a public display of what God has done in your heart. It doesn't save you. But it's kind of letting you all, hey, I'm identifying with Jesus. So Eddie wrote it out. I'm going to read it here. And then, then he's going to get baptized. Eddie said, since about the age of five, I've always been told that I got saved. But as I've gotten older, I realized that I don't actually remember getting saved, and it got me thinking, am I actually saved? So a few years ago at summer camp, I asked my leader if he would come pray with me and get that settled. But even after that night, I was still dealing with doubts about my salvation. I realized I was going about it all the wrong way. I was looking for someone else to confirm for me and tell me that I was saved, and recently I realized that it's not anyone else that can tell me. It's only me. And so after a few straight months of constant doubt, the last TNT of the year, Pastor Ray taught uh, in detail about hell and about how Jesus died to save me. And after that night, I prayed that God would help me nail down my doubts for, this, for sure this time and that he would help me know for sure. And so on Tuesday night, July 25, 2023, I solidified trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I now know for sure I am saved. And uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, really clap for that. That's good. So, Eddie, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen. Upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen.
0: That's what happens when you have a left-handed preacher, by the way. So, <laughs> Let's stand, we'll let you be dismissed, all right? The Lord bless you, keep you, make His face to shine upon you, give you peace, love you all, God bless you, you are dismissed.